Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Congratulations to Ronnie O'Sullivan, six-time world snooker champion. Hi, I'm Rachel Casey, and on this episode of The Break, we've got the Betfred World Snooker Championship all wrapped up. We hear from the Rocket after his Sunday demolition of Kyron Wilson to complete an 18-8 victory. You'll also hear from the Warrior, who this time lost the battle. Barry Hearn won the battle to stage the championship, and he reflects on the hugely successful tournament. And we'll relive... The highs and the lows of 17 enthralling days at the Crucible. I'm joined tonight on the Eurosport Snooker podcast by former world number three, Neil Foles, and his fellow Eurosport head commentator, Dave Hendon. Neil, how about that for a final? Ronnie is champion again. Yes, he is. And um, I think it's an amazing achievement, really. I'm trying to work out which one of... His uh, World Championship victories is the best. I thought that when he won in uh, 2013, having had a year off, you'd do well to beat that. But all these years later, he's not been that close. I go back to last year, lost to an amateur in the first round, James Cahill, good player and all that. But he just looked like he'd lost the stomach for the fight on the big stage, you know, and you know, just climbing up that mountain year after year. It looked like he didn't want to do it anymore. So it's a great achievement and he's still got it. And that's the point. We did wonder. There's been a, a few times, I think, in the last year, he's missed a couple of shots. We thought, has he still got it? Well, we know the answer to that. He never lost it, really. He just, um, you know, maybe this tournament, it, it, between the episodes of it, he just wasn't quite ready. But he's still a great player and he's the best player I've ever seen. And looking at the scoreline, there were times where Karen Wilson passed up golden opportunities to apply the pressure when he probably really needed to. Is 18-8 a fair reflection, do you think, Dave? It is based on the second day. I think last night, if he'd have won the last frame, Karen, which he had a chance to do, you never know. Ronnie looks spent, he looked really tired. Completely different today. Second frame, again, if Karen had won that, you know, it may have been different. It would have been a lot closer. But after that, it, I'm afraid it was a little bit like a balloon deflating. It just kind of, the air went out of the whole match. Karen was in in every frame. He had chances in every frame. Couldn't make a 30 break, actually, uh, after the first frame he won today. And Ronnie played very solidly. He clearly wanted to win. He played properly. Good match play. 
and I echo what Neil said. And what I thought at the end, as I was watching him being interviewed, is he doesn't look that different, actually, to when he won it all those years ago. He's a very fit, you know, 44-year-old. He looks after himself. He has got a good work-life balance. Snooker, he's not absolutely everything to him. Um, amazing, really. An amazing achievement. You know, you've got to congratulate him. Brilliant. I think a mark of a champion, especially at the Crucible, is someone who can either maintain their form for the two and a half weeks or play better. Now, obviously, Judd did it last year. We know about that. In the final, he played brilliantly. And Stephen Hendry, well, he always said, you know, the tournament doesn't really get started until the semi-finals. Uh, so he could get better and better. But it's hard because players can peak and it's hard once you've reached that peak to get on the other side of it. You know, you're on the downward. You're not playing as well as you were a few days ago. Do you think it's fair, Neil, that to say that Ronnie, if he was a racehorse, he was running in snatches throughout the tournament? Well, maybe. Um, but I suppose it's like he would know where the winning line is. That would be the other sort of way of describing it. And he knew that he had to pick up a little bit more. I think for him, when he got past Mark Selby... That was uh, that meant a lot to him, uh, and he, he made that point that uh, you know he competed was one thing, but really the, the thing that set Ronnie back was losing to Mark Selby in that final in 2014. He was in front on the 17th day. He didn't have it left. He was gone, um, and Selby went by him to win his first title. So that really was this crowning achievement. And in the final, he's playing somebody who's very good, but he isn't Mark Selby. He plays the same game. So you felt that maybe he was always just going to power past Kyron Wilson in the end, and he did that. Look, there's no denying, Dave, that he did stroll to a a sixth world title, looking at the scoreline. And I think... Kyron Wilson, definitely today, he just had no answers. You know, he came out, he did what he had to do in that first frame of the afternoon session and, and, and he won it. But, you know, from Ronnie's point of view, he's been talking about the Q action, you know, and he's been amusing us at times. Um, but, you know, he has come back today very, very different. I'm not too sure what has happened overnight, whether he's been working hard. I know Steve Feeney was actually on the balcony and sent a tweet, hashtag Team Rocket, whether they've been working together overnight, I don't know. Well, we heard that Ronnie was practising at nine o'clock this morning at the Crucible. So clearly, you know, he, he was determined to turn it around. It was a struggle on the first day. I mean, the, the two semi-finals was, was such epics. You can understand both players being mentally shattered by them. They've got to go out and play the biggest match of the whole snooker season the next day. Um, and it was a case really like a couple of boxers sort of hanging on, on on the first evening. But yeah, there's no doubt he's come out refreshed, a different attitude, whatever advice he's taken from people it's clearly worked. And also, of course, he has the experience. Kyron is in that position and has been a lot of players over the years playing in their first world final. In the end, the occasion maybe just becomes too much for them. Just one more thing about it. The whole tournament, as it, as it works, he lost two sessions quite badly in that competition. He, the first session against uh, Mark Williams, he lost 6-2. And he had a 6-2 loss against Mark Selby. But the match overall is where you dust yourself down and you come back stronger because some players can't recover from a session where they lose so badly as that you know but Ronnie is he's there for the duration as we saw and let's be honest about it for all the things he complains about these tournaments these long events he knows what's required he's won it six times now so no one really in the game knows it better than him well he came back fresh he came back strong and once again he's crowned a champion of the world let's hear from Ronnie O'Sullivan chatting to Colin Murray Normally I go for a run in the morning, but I just thought, right, this morning I had to go on a practice table for an hour. After last night, I was just, I was completely like unable to put balls together. You know, I couldn't hit any solid shots. Um, Kyron was really, you know, striking it well, scoring one, and for me to get four frames, uh, 
it was only because he potted the blue and, flew, and potted the red fouled unlucky and the other frame he missed the red otherwise I lose him two frames as well and I, and I should have really been behind so I thought I've got out of jail 10-7 I've now owe it to myself to get on the practice table and try and find just try and find a slot or, or a swing technique or a swing fault to go into this afternoon session with and I, I messed around with my grip and I found something which could I could hold the cue a little bit online I could hold my finish a bit better and it just gave me a bit of confidence um, to go out there and be able to compete you know because all you want to do is compete you know and I, and it would have been horrible for me to not have made a game of it you know um, because you know that's what people want to see you know Does having this being the proud owner of the most famous trophy again in, in snooker Bought by Joe Davis, whose book has been inspiring you. Yeah, of course. Does this change anything for the next year, or will we see you pick and choose your tournaments and get that life balance? No, yeah, I, th- I, th- I don't know if this means I don't have to qualify for, for the overseas events. So if I don't have to qualify for the overseas events, then I'll probably play more overseas events because, you know, like the, the big tournaments are in China, and I love going to Germany and Austria, but I just don't want to have to go to Barnsley to have to get through the qualifiers. So, you know, I haven't been number one. I haven't been world champion. So I, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't played in them tournaments for a while so I think the key is to try and play there and play more in China because it's come towards the end of my career and I just think that's a great place to sort of you know uh, apply your trade really you know because you know it's, it's just I just enjoy my time out there well so you know I, I won't be playing anymore you know if uh, I, I want that home balance and you know um, I, I play snooker because I choose to not because I have to now so it's important that I just play it when I when I feel like it really what's your proudest moment of, of the two weeks and a few days what is the moment where you go that's that's the bit I'll, I'll pull out and I won't allow you to have the, the win you know like yeah, no, I'll no, take no, that no, out no. but what's the moment you go wow I'm I, so pleased about it I think uh I think the point against when I was 17, 15 down, uh, 16, 15, 16, 14 down against Selby and to produce three frames like I did at that time, that, that snooker god stuff, you know, that was just, you know, but again, you know, I was present, I was doing all I could, I left everything out there and I think that was just someone saying, look, there's your chance, there's a bit of form, you know, and I was there to take the advantage. So I think that that was probably the, the biggest highlight of this tournament, if you, if you like. Well, we know throughout the tournament, Ronnie struggled with his technique. Technically, he wasn't always brilliant and he was first to say that. And Marco Fu, I saw, put out a a tweet that Ronnie O'Sullivan winning the World uh, Championship with his C game far from his best these two weeks. Quite scary when you think about it. And of course, Marco didn't uh, come to to Sheffield, but it is quite scary. Was it uh, a C game? Was it A sometimes? And how far down do we go? B, C, D, E. I don't think it was his C game. No, not really. You can't beat... That's a bit of an insult to some of the other players. I know Marco means well when he says that, and um, maybe he's rating Ronnie higher than anybody, but I'm not really having that because I thought he played pretty well all the way through. Um, You can't beat a a rejuvenated Mark Selby with his C game. Uh, I think he was almost at his best there. That, That A game of O'Sullivan's, which he's probably referring to, you don't see very often. I think Kyron Wilson was actually on the wrong end of it last time when in that English Open final day, wasn't it? When he just played out of his skin all the way through. And, you know, you can't play like that. But what he has got is the ability to win in in ways that other players can't. Yeah, and, and he also just scares players. I think his aura is, you know, the biggest in the sport. It's Ronnie O'Sullivan. Well, however he's playing, it's Ronnie O'Sullivan. And I think this is the challenge now for the other top players going forward is... They've got to kind of change their attitude, really, about him. They can't be in awe of him. And a lot of the top players are. You can understand some young kid coming along. It's Ronnie O'Sullivan, why I'm playing him. There are major tournament winners 
who seem to be completely in awe of Ronnie O'Sullivan. And they've got to change that. Otherwise, he will continue to beat them and, and, and win these big tournaments. He was 37 when he, um, he was last world champion. And we know with Judd Trump, and I think we, we've got to mention Judd Trump here as well, because, you know, he hands over the crown. His reign as world champion came to an end tonight. And I think a word on him as well, because obviously Ronnie will now be the reigning world champion. But the fact what Judd managed to do to kick on and to win those six titles this season has been incredible. He's had an exemplary year as champion in the way he's represented himself and his sport. He's, you know, said all the right things. He's obviously played at a very high standard winning those six events. The curse got him. You know, we've talked about the Crucible curse. Of course, Ronnie doesn't have to worry about that next year because he's not a first-time winner. Yeah, he was a great world champion. It's a shame in a way, not to Kyron, but it's a shame in a way that he didn't play Ronnie in the final. That would have been an amazing match. It kind of almost decides who is top dog in the game at the moment. I'm sure there'll be many battles, though, between them in the future. And he's one player we know who's not scared of him. You know, he he wiped the floor with him in that Masters final. Um, So we look forward to them playing next time with Ronnie now being world champion again. And will anything change? I mean, we heard from him there. Um, he's talking about not going to Barnsley and, and qualifying and and all of that. You know, what will change for Ronnie O'Sullivan now that he's the reigning world champion again? He makes an interesting point about the events in China, which of course are going to be in 2021 at the earliest. Um, in that, look, when he plays in the, the Shanghai Masters, he, he gets everything he wants over there anyway. He's an invitational event. But I think I don't think he'd have to qualify for those uh, anymore as world champion. It was difficult for world snooker because the world champion or maybe a Chinese number one, they're exempt. But with Ronnie not being either, you know, and it was sort of slipping down the rankings a little bit, uh, there wasn't really anything they could do. But now, if they really want to accommodate Ronnie O'Sullivan, they can. They can say, right, you don't play anywhere until the venue in anything. I know the German masters and all that's difficult, but... Why can't they? I mean, the game wants to see him. The German public want to see him in in the Tempodrome in Berlin. And he's won. He's won that argument now. He he is the king. And I think people need to make sure that uh, he's available to play in all the events. And he's won that right. The first thing I thought was, hmm, who all the players that will have TV table opportunities because it was always, you know, Judd Trump, world champion, and then Ronnie O'Sullivan, well, he's going to be on the TV table. Then you've got to have the world champion on the on the TV table. So who's going to be slipping into that little spot? Well, Trump's still world number one, isn't he, uh, you know, by, by some distance. Yeah, I think t- that's the rivalry I'm looking forward to now. It's interesting anyway. But now Ronnie's got Judd's title at a stage in his career where he will be considered a veteran. Their rivalry now is interesting. How does Trump respond? Obviously, he didn't get a chance to play him in this. But the next time they play, will the, will the balance of power shift again? Because at the moment, it's with Trump. But now Ronnie's won this, it may shift back to him. Yeah, and also, if um, Trump's on, on one match table and, and Ronnie Sullivan's on the other one, I mean, if you're a lower-ranked player, you're lucky to play your match on the practice table, I should think. You'd do well to get <laughs> just any kind of a game, play down the local working men's club, um, because these guys are going to take over the main tables. And listen, it, as I say, they've earned the right, and that's the, the way it is. And, uh, I think you went a bit big there, Dave. <laughs> well, we, we maybe should tell people we have had a drink. And I, and I, and I didn't know the co-op did champagne, but it well, turns out they do. Apparently so. We've got great taste. <laughs> um, just to, to, I think, sum up, you know, the achievement that, that Ronnie 
has um, has managed to you know to, to, to land not just a sixth world champion but tonight 37th ranking title surpassing the great Stephen Hendry who was on uh, 36 it's it's astonishing how many times you know Ronnie said oh I'm, not, I'm just going to pick and choose oh, I'm sick of this game he takes a year out he comes back he wins he can do anything he's just just magic isn't he he seems to have a way of making it the big occasion that the thousandth century was in the final frame of one of the Coral Series events with uh, the Players' Championship day, wasn't it? Uh, last last season, you know, and he made a big thing, well, I'm not sure when I'm going to make that century. He made it in the deciding frame, the crowd at the Guildhall went mad. I think it might be the last frame ever played there in a, in a major event because the event is closed, uh, the venue's closed now. And now, of course, the 37th could have been something else. It could have been uh, the World Open. Could have been the shootout, even. Could have been the shootout, could have been all that, but he saves it for the World Championship. So, you know, he's got style when it comes to that, hasn't he? He's a complete showman, absolutely. You know, we're very lucky to have him. He can be exasperating at times, we all know that. But what sport, you know, wouldn't want Ronnie O'Sullivan as their figurehead, wouldn't want him on television? You know, he, he he's a one-off and he's still brilliant. That's the point. He's still here. I wondered if he could win another world title, I'll be honest. I thought that... Well, I've got to have to ask you now, yeah. can, can he win another one, an equal yeah, Stephen Hendry? he can now. I think he'll be motivated now. He played it down a little bit in the interview, maybe, but I think he'll be motivated, definitely. And, and why wouldn't you be? You know, it's a chance to to, you know, equal a great record that looked like it would, you know, stand for a long, long time. And what about the magnitude of it in terms of the the history books? Uh, um, There'd be very few that would go against Ronnie O'Sullivan being the greatest of all time. I mean, this has to just enhance that, right? There's always going to be people that say that Hendry's the greatest of all time, but I think even they are going to struggle now because they always said, well, yes, but until he wins seven world titles, and then when he does, what happens then? You know, how are they going to cling to that dream? Well, listen, Stephen's a good friend of mine. He's the great, you know, I felt he was the greatest player uh, for years. No one could ever beat him up, but I think Ronnie's gone by him, and I did a, an Instagram live thing with Stephen, and it was awkward because he asked me my top Ten and I'm speaking to Stephen and he's and he said um, I'm I, number one. <laughs> I know, he said I know you think Ronnie's better and, and Stephen's fine with it. You know, I think it hurts him. I don't know how he feels, Stephen Hendry, about Ronnie winning a sixth title because he does like to keep some of his records. But um, uh, he is always complimentary about O'Sullivan because he knows what a player he is and he drives a pretty hard bargain. So uh, you know he, he's the greatest player. I'd said it before this title. He's the greatest player I've ever seen, and it's such a long span from from beginning to end of. And we're not at the end yet of, you know, all the titles he's won. I think that's, for me, uh, the most important thing. You know, we, we look at Stephen Hendry and it's the, the dominance of a decade almost, whereas Ronnie's success, it just transcends over a couple of decades now. It's kind of the Beatles and the Stones, isn't it? The Beatles did it all in like a decade and then split up and the Rolling Stones are still going now. And I think, yeah, Ronnie, as I say, just looking at him and the sort of how fit he is and and how he's still playing, he could go on until his 50s. He seriously could. You know, I, I don't see any reason why he can't sustain a certain level uh, of excellence, you know, for the next maybe 10 years. Well, we're going to look back on the whole tournament and we're doing it in a in a sort of a, a champagne way because we're going to have the, the break awards coming up soon. But listen, congratulations to Ronnie O'Sullivan. Delighted for him. Commiserations to Kyron Wilson, his first final. Let's hear what the beaten finalist had to say after. You know, I'm, I'm 28 years old. I'm not going to beat myself up too much. I'm playing the greatest of all time. 
Um, for me, it was a, a dream come true knowing that I was going to be playing Ronnie in the final. Obviously, you know, you can't respect him too much or else he'll walk all over you, which is what's happened to me today. <laughs> so um, I'm a fighter. I'll always be a fighter. Um, I just, I really struggled in the first session. I think we probably both had a little bit of a hangover from the semifinals. You know, it, it could well have been Anthony stood here right now. Um, look, at the end of the day, the night belongs to Ronnie. He was amazing throughout the final. Um, shown his class when he probably wasn't quite at his best and um, still stuck it out. So um, he was awesome this morning, especially as well. I was very impressed. I think he took the defeat quite well, Kyron Wilson, um, and maybe he had a little bit of time to come to terms with it. Would that be fair? Yes, of course. I mean, coming out tonight, he wasn't expecting to win. I think he, if he looks back on the match, he will be disappointed he didn't take certain chances. But as I say, people have played in world finals before, got well beaten and come back and won them. The obvious uh, candidate for that is John Parrott. He was absolutely drubbed 18-3 by Steve Davis in 1989. Two years later, he won the tournament. He beat Davis in the semis, Jimmy White in the final. So he'll learn from it. Age is on his side. But I think also he, he will look back, and I don't know what you think, Neil, he'll look back and think, my game actually does have to improve if I'm going to win this. His positional play, I think, let him down. There were times where he was clearly left with pressure balls. You know, he wasn't ideally on them. And in a world final, you know, the pressure's greater than ever and he was missing them. Yeah, and I, th- I don't think he likes it when people criticise his positional play, his cue ball control. But the fact is, he's play- it's probably exposed Plano Sullivan more than anybody, isn't it? Because his cue ball is immaculate. And two or three times today when he got chances, which were infrequent... He just felt that he was getting further and further out of position. He's so willing. He's so much. He, he so much wants to win, but unfortunately, that little bit of um, finesse that you need, he hasn't quite got. So, yeah, look, he'll, he'll probably get all that back. He did make a, a, quite a lot in the um, the post match about his age. Two or three times said he's twenty eight, as if it's really young. He did that actually in Berlin, and I said, "Why you keep saying that?" He's and we not, had a bit of a laugh about it. Actually, he's not young, not in snooker in terms. It may be by, in the current environment because the class of ninety two still exists. And you know, Judd is now in a past thirty. But if you go back a while, twenty-eight wasn't young, not in snooker, because uh, because of people like Ronnie O'Sullivan, you know, who won age seventeen. He won the UK Championship. So I'm not having it that the age is necessarily on his side. It's just how the next few years go for him. One thing I will say about Karen, though, I think he is a player always looking to improve, and I think he will. You know, he will look at the match and think, OK, I need to step up. He's done 200 grand tonight. You know, that's not bad. I don't think he'll rest on his laurels. I think he will want to come back and, and try and improve next season. And one thing we won't have to talk about is that dreaded asterisk. He came in and after nine days, he won the world champion. But if he did um, beat Ronnie, he would have deserved it, knocking out the, you know, the defending champion and that epic um, semi-final as well, which I'm sure will feature in our awards, the break. So raise your glasses, we'll toast to an amazing world championship and we're going to start in around about 10 minutes I think we should um, round up and wrap up the uh, stories of the tournament we're going to start with the shock of the championship first Neil, what was the biggest surprise? Well it has to be Mark Allen losing to Jamie Clark, uh, especially when the match got underway because it's one thing losing that game for Mark Allen but at 2-0 with back-to-back hundreds I thought well this could be another whitewash 
but it was a massively uh, interesting game. The way that Clark came back with a century of his own, the way he won a frame needing three snookers, m- a huge shock for me. Yeah, it was a shock. Although, I, without you know wishing to brag, I did tip it before the event began. So not here, not, here, not, here we go again. <laughs> one of the few, one of the few predictions I got right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it was an amazing result. I think I thought um, Murphy losing the way he did as well was something of a surprise. Uh, coming here, maybe he wasn't in, in the best sort of frame of mind with losing Brandon and so on, but. You know, that was a heavy defeat, actually, against Nopin Senkam. He's a very good player, but I, I personally didn't see that coming, certainly the scale of it. OK, um, we are one minute in and we're going to talk about the biggest story. What really caught the headlines? Well, I, I think that it's on a sort of downbeat note, really, I think it was Anthony Hamilton pulling out the tournament. Uh, and then, of course, within a day, the spectators had to uh, make other plans. So I think we started on a low after the qualifiers. I don't blame Anthony. It seems a long time ago now he made his decisions, but I wonder if he changed his mind, you know, like when the the spectators weren't eventually allowed in, whether he'd have have played in it. But um, I think that's the thing, you know, that that was the headline that we didn't want. Touch and go, though, wasn't it? It felt like that when we we got that news that Anthony Hamilton had come out. We're thinking, goodness, will we ever get through the tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at it now, in hindsight, maybe the fact there wasn't a crowd for the whole tournament, you know, in the end was a good thing. Nothing went wrong because there weren't lots of people in the arena. It was great the crowd came back for the final. I think that made a big difference, um, a sort of fairy tale ending in some ways. Now, the fact we've talked about the champion, Ronnie O'Sullivan, we can talk about other great performances is the best performance uh, of the whole tournament for you, Neil? Well, um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to, but I, I would certainly say they both involved John Higgins. One was the one four seven, and the other one was Kurt Mafflin beating him, you know, in the same match. You know, terrific match and um, you know, two great occasions, I think. And Kurt Mafflin has come of age as a player. Anthony McGill reaching the semi-finals. Another tip of mine. Not that I want to dwell on that. Uh, no, he, he played great Instead stuff. Get it getting so boring. Well, the thing yeah. about the thing about Anthony, he actually played his best snooker in the end in the match that he lost the semi-final. I thought he played brilliantly in that final session. Just came up short in that unbelievable, um, you know, final day of the semis. Got to go overachiever and underachiever. Well, uh, Jamie Clark again, who did very well. He, you know, he achieved a lot. I think. I think the point about McGill, he, he kind of you can't really say he overachieved in that. Um, He's a pretty good player. I think we all knew that. Jamie Clark, I don't think we knew how good he was. Uh, underachiever Murphy, probably, you know, for reasons. Well, we're not going to give him a hard time because, as Dave said, he's had a difficult few weeks. But um, I think the, the guy who beat him, not on Sankar, he nearly beat Mark Selby, uh, was another one that um, surpassed himself this week, you know, this championship. I think overachiever, you could argue Kurt Mafflin just because, you know, he, he beat John Higgins when he made a maximum in that match. Underachiever... I guess Mark Allen, and I think it's a bit of a story for him at the Crucible. You know, he's been in one semi-final his whole career, considering all the tournaments he's won and his position in the rankings. That's, you know, that's a concern for him, really. I think I'll probably know your answer on the next one. The biggest beef, where do we see the claws come out and the handbags? You're not talking about the commentators here, are you? Just just the matches. <laughs> we, we try and keep that, you know, what goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, I think it was OK for the game, actually. It was McGill against Clark. They had a little bit of a dispute over, uh, you know, there was a suggestion that Jamie Clark would, had put McGill off. No one said it was deliberate, but I still can't quite get my head around this because, oh, that people are saying yes, the venue's so small. Well, it's no smaller than it's ever been. And how did we, anyone ever else put, play a match without getting distracted before? I mean, it, it very rarely has happened. So I just think those two needed to sort it out, really. The best quote or interview, um, for me, I thought Neil Robertson was really emotional when he was talking about his family and, you know, the... the 
his little boy sending him a text. I thought, oh, gosh. Yeah, that's true. But the one that cut through was obviously Ronnie talking about, you know, the lower-ranked players and, you know, you'd have to lose an arm and a leg to drop out the top 50. Whether you agree with him or not, or, or the way he expressed it, that, that was a quote that kind of went around the world. And um, the, the, I think the, what, there is some truth to what he said. I think that there, that there is... Unfortunately, a lack of sort of young players coming through in the game. But obviously, the way he expressed it did upset a few people. Yeah, that's fair enough. I agree with that. I think you're you're spot on. Um, I thought Kyron bursting into tears after his win against McGill was quite emotional. With Kyron Wilson, he, he's got a poker face. You know, he's he's fairly difficult to assess when he's out there playing. But I think the emotions come through a bit like Peter Ebden. He used to be like that. He used to have a little tear or two after a game, but you couldn't get anything out of him during the match. And I think we learned that Kyron is a you know a genuine guy, 100% passionate and uh, wholehearted in everything he does. Well, if Kyron had won this title, he would have cried for the next year. <laughs> he would not have stopped crying. They'd all have to swim out of the crucible, yeah. the fans that we luckily got in. Uh, great to see, actually, the fans on the final day. And, of course, they were there to start with as well. Now, the, the funniest moment, Folsey. Well, if I can jump in, I think definitely Neil Robertson dropping, uh, dripping coffee on himself before the match had even started with Barry Hawkins. That was just bizarre, but typical of sort of Neil Robertson, really. It could only happen to him. He had to, he had to troop off to get cleaned up and they had to mop up the carpet. It was and a very was, strange start. And then another real deep clean afterwards when Barry Hawkins yeah. sat in the room. It was like a West End farce that, for that first few frames. <laughs> Neil, I'm you're pondering. To, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I don't know. There was one match... I think it might have been Elliot Slesser where some, all the glasses all smashed. Was that the match? Yeah, and Yambing Tao, yeah. Yeah, yeah shards of glass everywhere, yeah. which was quite amusing because both players were just picking up all this glass, yeah. which I thought, well, hang on a minute, they're not allowed to use the same rest here. There's shards of glass being picked up off the ground by the players <laughs> and no one came out to do anything about it. And I thought, well, um, you know, there's, there's certain rules which are very stringent. Others... Just glass on the floor, everyone whoa, pick it up. Whoa, 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 let's not go there. No, no, I'm just saying that's what happened. It, it did happen like that. <laughs> I thought the uh, burn, baby, burn, um, the final day, and your tweet I enjoyed, if there's no place for pop well, music. Listen, no, it was listen. Ronnie's face that just did me in, and obviously Kyron had come out and all cylinders that he'd won that frame. Little did he know it would be the only frame, but he was bopping away. Yeah, I mean, I think, in fairness, it was an error, um, but we don't need that. Look, it, I mean, Rob Walker had given it such a build-up at the start of the day, very sort of passionate, emotional build-up. Up, and then all of a sudden they're playing disco music between frames. We don't need it, Nil. Was that actually intentional then? It was meant to be a, an idea, was it? I think well, I think whoever pressed the button shouldn't have, basically. It was probably the guy who, or the girl who was on the applause and thought, you know what? Something to do. <laughs> if you've got rid of me, I'm getting in on this final. Jimmy said a funny thing. He thought that um, Sean Murphy was just going to appear because that was his walk-on music. Um, no, I don't know what happened there, but um, it's interesting they, they did it for one frame. Ronnie didn't like it and it never came back. But I think Ronnie was right. It just cracked me up, I have to say. He's like, <laughs> what? You're going to be playing that for every single frame? Uh, right, best shot or most outrageous fluke? You can share this one. I think the, the the shot I really remember because of its importance was the blue Anthony McGill potted against Jack Lazowski right in the, in the first round when it was nine each, which effectively won in the match. And it was completely do or die. Um, and summed up, I think, McGill's approach to the whole tournament, which was, you know, he's he's very sort of placid. He doesn't give much away, but very, very determined as well. Yeah, I think the most outrageous fluke was probably not because it went off seven cushions, but it was the actual fluke that uh, Kyron Wilson got to win that incredible frame of snooker against McGill. I mean, honestly, the game didn't deserve a fluke like that. But I do remember uh, the only time I ever 
believe it or not, met Joe Davis, whose name comes up a lot at the moment. I, uh, well, <laughs> to, can I just get in here? Have you read the book? No. No, I've not read the book, no. But, but I, the, it was um, the final of a big event. It was, it was Jimmy White and, and Steve Davis uh, in North Wales in Prestatyn in the Ponders Open Professional Tournament. And Joe Davis was in the front row. And one of the frame, the match went down to the final black. And I wasn't sitting next to him, but I was in his, I'd met him and I'd got his autograph and I was nearby. And he said, this match can only finish one way. It, we can't finish on someone potting the winning ball. It will either be an in-off or a fluke. And it was actually an in-off that, that won the game. But that match felt the same. You get matches where the, you don't think the, the person who wins can get pop frame ball. There's going to be a quirk. And that was the most incredible fluke. And Karen should remember that because I thought he was getting a little bit like he's having a bad run today. But really, look, we know in snooker, real eb- ebbs and flows, and you know, we, it's just a big roundabout, isn't it? It'll come back your way at some well, point. That's what you, that's what he needs to remember because he wouldn't have been in that final if it wasn't for that fluke, or possibly not. You guys have been amazing. It's what seventeen days in Sheffield, and obviously eight days qualifiers. So you're on the road for like thirty days. So you've done a lot of commentary. So I was keen to ask you the most enjoyable match that you commentated on, Neil. Oh, I thought that the um, the final session of O'Sullivan Selby was absolutely outstanding. You know, I mean, it was a great game of snooker. I was frustrated by O'Sullivan playing the shot he did at uh, what would it have been sixteen fourteen to lose a frame. Selby didn't even have to win it, um, but he came back in extraordinary style. I mean, those next three frames, two and a half of which he dominated. Selby did get a chance in that decider. People forget that. You know, he was in. It was in his hands to win the match. That is one of the great matches. I was proud to be involved in that in a commentary position. Dave, your best. I enjoyed doing the maximum, uh, the John Higgins maximum. That was a great match anyway without that. But um, it it was a morning, wasn't it? It came out of nowhere. We were just sort of minding our own business. Do you always feel like you're just going to be part of history? Yeah, I mean, it was a very special moment. There are a lot of maximums and we've done uh, some of John's before. But at the Crucible, we hadn't had one for eight years. It was special, you know, and you, you really, I think when you see a break like that, you really admire the players. You admire the skill on show. I think you also watch your P's and Q's on a 147 if you've been commentating for a while. I don't know if Dave would agree with that. And we always try our best well, anyway. You guys know some of the stuff you'll never be seen again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, we always try our best. I think that's, if we didn't, that would be wrong. But this can go out long after you've died. But um, It's a cheery thought, isn't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no more for you. <laughs> Um, right, um, where do I go from there? Um, and the answer is Barry Hearn, a massive success, the 2020 World Snooker Championship. Let's hear his reflections. Frustration, early doors of uh, a small crowd and then no crowd. Absolute relief and joy at the fact that we've got a live audience for the final. The matches, I mean, I shall never, in my, well, I've been coming to the Crucible for over 40 years, never seen two semi finals go to the deciding frame, for example. Uh, this game seems to throw up moments of drama that you can't anticipate and it's been a wonderful experience for everybody. And, but the big thing about having crowds, even in a small way, as it's the first step on bringing sport back to live audience. Not just for us, for all sport. It's the first step of recovery, of going back to normality. And we all need that. And we need to restore customer confidence in sport generally. The Crucible has been the flag bearer 
of live action back to sport and it has regenerated the sports business where people say snooker can why can't we well one thing we have learned uh, guys is that snooker definitely can you know they were given the opportunity the first day didn't feel like a real chance but luckily that chance came back to them for the final yeah, and it's worth remembering Barry Hearn at the very start of the lockdown had a heart attack. You know, I mean, he was he was ill for for a, a week or so. But you know, it starts with Barry. He's got a good team now at, at World Snooker Tour, the governing body. I want to mention uh, a lady, Donna Beresford. She's the event manager, not a name that maybe listeners will know, but she is responsible for putting the event on and and all the sort of safety precautions and all the protocols run through her. I did the Championship League, the first event back that she was also running, and she has done a fantastic job. And they should be very proud. Of themselves you know it worked we weren't sure when it started what would happen she's just as well a darling lovely lovely woman brilliant at her job we weren't sure exactly how it would go we didn't know obviously the fact there was no audience i guess lessened the sort of you know the negative uh, repercussions of it but even so to get through to the end of it with ronnie o'sullivan standing there with a trophy what a triumph Absolutely. The qualifiers were very difficult to get through. Everyone thought that was the nightmare. They had to cut the frames a little bit. The last qualifier was over the normal duration of best of 19. And then the event itself, you know, there were hiccups, you know, that as we know, we mentioned already the thing with um, Hamilton pulling out, which Barry Hearn didn't like. And then, of course, he got that other kick in the teeth, if you like, when the, the government decided that all these trial events were going to be uh, shelved for now. So, but Barry will never take a backward step. I think it's important to remember what Barry and his team and, you know, uh, David's right to mention the people behind the scenes uh, have done for snooker. I think Barry, one of the reasons he does this, snooker has always been, I think he's is in his heart because it was it's his, his first, baby isn't it it's it the is. first one of all well that's what made him uh, the person he is in in sports promotion snooker was his first thing you know and there's no getting away from it so he and also when he when he came into snooker the game changed the game was dying there was you know six ranking events there was nothing happening the players were part-time i know that's all history now and we've spoken about it enough but um you know in these difficult times i'm i'm very proud to be involved in snooker proud to know barry and all the team because he just won't take a backward step and he's quite um, inspiring, isn't he, to listen to, Dave? Absolutely. The easy thing this year would would be to say, we're just not, just not going to have it. We're going to cancel it. We'll hopefully regroup next year. That would have been the easiest thing. The hard thing was to get it on. A lot of hard work has gone into it. I know we keep saying it, but it really has. And it's been a triumph. It has. It's been a great event. We've seen all the drama, controversy, great snooker played. The fact there was no audience didn't make a difference to the tension the players are under. And then we had an audience for the final and they get they got to see the greatest player ever win it. Brilliant. And we're talking the break awards, the biggest of them all. And we'll raise a glass. Cheers. We salute uh, all of the team working behind the scenes on Eurosport, but uh, everybody at the Crucible through the qualifiers, through the whole process, the referees, the cameramen and, and everyone else that have put this on and made this possible. And uh, we also salute uh, Jimmy White, Neil Foles and Dominic Dale who tipped the winner, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Yeah, no, I'm pleased to say I got that right. Um, we've been having a bit of fun with each other. Dave did pretty well, I must say, all joking aside, because he was right about Selby. You see, Sel- they're, they're, they're pals, really. They, no, they well, really well, do Selby like has come back. You know, I, Listen, I didn't think he could win. He didn't win, but I thought he had a great championship and now I think he's reminded us that you know, if you if you've got three players for next year, he's on that list now. He's back, um, and also McGill doing getting to the semis. I think between us, we all did pretty well, you know, uh, out of this. And we we were on. I mean, well, Phil, Phil Yates went for Judd Trump, so he didn't do well. No, that's right. Yeah, and he did terribly, yeah. I'm actually. Um, oh yeah, you went for Mark Allen. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> just shows you I should never ever get involved in this and I was loath to do it I blame our producer Danny who said you have to get in with a selection no fair enough I mean also uh, I think Joe gave uh, Kyron Wilson a big mention so we're all on the right lines we've got all the players there do you know what you're all great and you're all wonderful and well done <laughs> on some amazing work throughout the, the championship the qualifiers you've been brilliant and uh, thanks so much for your company here um, on, on the podcast as well Thank you. I think, you know, this World Championship has been a really kind of almost emotional experience in a way because I think we all remember at the end of March when it was postponed and you think, well, when's the next snooker going to be? We didn't know. The fact that we did it is brilliant, actually. Now we look back on it, I'm really happy that I was involved in it. I agree. I agree. You know, we had spectators at the beginning, not many in the middle of it, and, and they were there, you know, for the last couple of days. And, um, you know, that we mustn't forget the fans and the fans play a big part in the game worldwide, not only the ones at the Crucible, the people that love snooker. And we're inundated with people messaging us who want to speak about facts, players. Um, you, you know, you must never forget that it's, it's a global game and, and it's, people love snooker and uh, just we're lucky to be involved. And the sport, as ever, is nothing without the fans and snooker in particular is very much there with that because uh, we saw how special it was having them there at the Crucible and hopefully we'll see them on tour back at the snooker tournaments uh, in the, the coming future. Uh, right, we're going to leave it there. We'll let you get out and um, maybe have another few jars uh, wherever you're going to be heading and lots Long rest as well, because you deserve it. So thanks to the guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Break. Don't forget you can relive the tournament through our podcast. And why wouldn't you? So check out previous episodes, which include interviews with top players, coaches and experts. Cheers to all of them. Please subscribe, rate and review the show to surely secure us a bonus from the bosses. Look out for something special from The Break before too long. But until then, from Neil, Dave and myself, it is goodbye. 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 Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.